and thank you for joining Know Him, a podcast on the heart of God. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about man and woman in the image of God. So we saw in our last episode how God gave purpose to earth. God ordered earth, gave function to earth. Now, what I was advocating in the last episode, and and something just for us to consider, is that Genesis is not dealing with material origins, but rather it's dealing with the non-material origins of, uh, of Earth and of humanity. Now, it's important to understand that I'm not saying that God did not materially make humanity and Earth. Of course he did. Course God materially made humanity, and of course God materially made earth. But what I'm advocating is that that's not the focus of Genesis chapter 1. That's not the focus of the uh, creation, if you will, account, or the order account. Uh, this is more a focus on purpose. This is more a focus on how the how the ancient Near Eastern culture would have understood this account, right? We need to, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of the culture and understand how they how they would have understood Gen- the Genesis account. So before we get into it, I think it's important for us to kind of cover a little study on. Uh, culture. Okay, so every culture has a material and non-material culture. So in the West, we live in houses, we sleep in beds, we have phones, we have cell phones. Um, You know, we wear dress clothes for fashion or whatever the situation is. Okay, but what I'm saying is there are material and non-material culture, uh, parts of culture, uh, both for the West and for the ancient Near East. So in the ancient Near East, their material culture would have been like idols, like physical idols. Tents. They would have slept in tents a little later on. They would have built altars. They would have grown food. They would have... So my, my point is there is a material culture to both the West and both to the ancient Near East. Now, there's also a non-material uh, culture for the ancient Near East and the West. Now, for the West, our non-material culture is, right now, it's, it's, closest, it's post, closest to postmodernism. And that's having influences massively all across the world. There's a really good book on this by Dennis McCollum called The Death of Truth. I encourage you to get it and read it. But, uh, yeah, so what is the West's non-material culture? Well, our non-material culture is that there is that purpose is whatever you want it to be. And that really did stem from all of our purpose being in the material, right? It's almost like we've totally written off the non-material culture for so long that we just kind of say, well, whatever makes you happy. And that's so different from the ancient Near East. I mean, uh, we have given almost material things, non-material properties. I mean, have you ever seen how much people spend um, in their, with their physical job, you know, like materially, materially working with material things, putting stock in 
you know, whether that's medals or trophies for sports or whether that's whatever it is, you know, this, the material things we have seemed to put a lot of value in, uh, you know, your house, how big your house is, your car, what car you drive, you know, those material things that we look at, we tend to just ascribe a lot of non-material value to that. So our non-material culture is almost a byproduct of our material culture here in the West. We don't really have a consistent non-material cultural view, except that it can be whatever you want it to be, which stems from it not really mattering or having any relevance or ever really having any defining terms. We just kind of brush it off for so long and said, you know, well, that's not what matters. What matters in the material world that we have, we now are just taking and accepting whatever comes our way in the West. Whereas in the ancient Near East, it was exact opposite. The ancient Near East, the material was a direct byproduct of the non-material. So what were the material items? I mean, they had physical material idols that were to represent non-material things. They, everything was symbolic. I mean, just look at Israel. Every single thing they did was symbolic. All of the material things was a byproduct of the non-material. I mean, they didn't even write. They, everything was orally passed down. I mean, that's non-material. I mean, and it was just, it's crazy to see the, the, the exact opposite difference almost between in the ancient Near East, material was a byproduct of non-material and, you know, in the modern world and less so now in postmodernism, but just in different ways, our non-material is a byproduct of our material culture. So I, I think that's important to understand that we are coming to the text in the exact opposite worldview, or at least having an understanding of, and, and closer to the exact opposite worldview than what the ancient Near East would have, would have had. So going on with that, let's keep reading uh, you know, through, through Genesis and understand kind of how that all works together. So we're going to read from Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So this creation account is not completely removed from the material. Okay, We need to get our heads in the ancient Near East, which is primarily non-material, but there is still material here. Okay, so it says that God then said, let us, okay, so what does this let us mean here, right? So God's purposes were to create humans, to enter the fellowship that he has with himself, right? He, because he created them, he created the angels and the heavens and the earth uh, and, and ordered these things. And in the last story, we talked about this. We talked about God ordering the earth and how he created uh, and ordered the earth. Uh, and all the things that were in it in six days and preparation uh, for this creation for, for humans, right? So all of this ordering that God did with earth is, is for the ultimate purpose for humans and ultimately for him, for him to dwell within his sacred temple of the earth or the garden. So we also heard about the sixth day and how he kind of ordered the animals uh, but there's still more that he did on that day that we hear about now. Uh, so this is about God 
um, kind of establishing, uh, making, creating, ordering humankind uh, in, him, in his image. And God saw that everything functioned within the system that he had for it um, because he was the one that made it and he made it well. So let's read that verse again. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So as we heard earlier about God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, purposing together to uh, kind of bring forth humankind, he says, let us, let us make Right? So what is this us? The us is this trinity, right? The Father, Son, and Spirit. Make them in our image and in our likeness. So this is a decision that God made uh, because he wanted people to enter into that relationship that he already had within himself. And that relationship was so beautiful and perfect that they wanted to share that with humanity, with others. And in order for people to enter into that relationship, they need to be like him. They need to be like God. So relationship is not possible unless there is some level of sameness. And this is so important to understand. So I was, I was talking to um, someone earlier today about the difference between the God of Islam and the God um, of, of uh, Christianity. And what we see is uh, Islam will say that, well, God could never incarnate himself because God is too mighty and powerful. And if he incarnated himself, he's now put limits on his existence. And so therefore he is not, um, he can't be all powerful. Whereas Christianity says, no, God chose to come in the likeness of a, of a man so that he, he could enter into relationship. Uh, we, so we could enter into a relationship with him. And I, and I think this is important because, you know, if you use a father analogy, the God of, of, of uh, Islam, what, it, what they portray their God to be is like a father who comes home from work and, and doesn't, you know, get on the floor and play with his kids. He just, he just shut, goes in his room and shuts the door. Whereas the God of Christianity, of the world, he comes in and he gets down to the level of his kids and he plays with them and he, and he, he's, he doesn't care what anyone on looking would see of, of him. He's literally just wants a relationship and is engaging in a relationship with his kids. He doesn't care how, how from the outside world, if they would say, oh, you look ridiculous or whatever. He just loves his kids. And so he wanted to share that with us. And so God gets to the same level as we, to, as us, to, to share who he is with us. So, it's important to understand here that our physical body uh, does kind of match what we see the Father described as in Daniel chapter 7. So a lot of people will just say, well, God is spirit, right? And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. They'll quote, they'll quote that verse, okay? And that is true. God is spirit. But God is not merely spirit. God is not only spirit, right? Humans have a body, soul, and spirit, okay? So we are made in the image of God. We have a mind, will, and emotion, which would be our soul. We have a physical body, and we have a spirit. We're spiritual beings, right? In Daniel 7, we see the Ancient of Days, 
And he's described with like white hair, wooly on his head. And he like a human. He's 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 got this human kind of description. And that's just that's fascinating to me because for so long we we've just said, Oh, God's spirit, God's spirit, God's spirit. But there is a physical description of God in Daniel chapter seven. Um yeah, and, and let me read it here. While I was watching, thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His attire was white like snow. So he's got a tire. The hair of his head was the like lamb's wool. His throne was ablaze with fire, and its wheels were all aflame. A river of fire was streaming forth and proceeding from his presence. Many thousands were ministering to him. Many tens of thousands stood, ready to serve him. The court convened, and the books were opened. So that's Daniel 7, verses 9 through 10. And we also see, though, that not anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. So only seems right here that only Jesus has seen the Father, uh, John six forty six, Or he could be talking in a sense of knowing God as well. So what kind of likeness, what kind of likeness are we talking about here? Are we talking about an anthropomorphic likeness, which we see described in Daniel 7? Um, or are we talking about a likeness that is character, uh, maybe spiritual likeness that we can have the same heart as God? I think it's, I think whatever the likeness is, I think it reflects who God is, uh, because we are spiritual creatures, we are spiritual beings, and that cannot be taken from us. So yes, God is spirit, but what we see is. There, there has to be a likeness, a, a similarity for relationship. And when humanity went totally in the opposite direction of God, and said, we want nothing to do with you, God made, him, made himself like man the most that he could by becoming man. We see that in John as well. So, is, has God always been anthropomorphic? You know, I, I don't know. Okay, what, what, I, what, I, what I do know is that God is spirit, I know the description in Daniel 7 about the Ancient of Days. I know that God has, has come to us. But I think the most important thing here is, you know, not, not necessarily the material, but who God is, right? Who, in, in his character and what he is, that God made us in his likeness, uh, that we could be spiritual, spiritual um, kind of, you know, sub-heirs, like sub 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 rulers and, 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 and people who could have the same character and heart and, and, and righteousness as God uh, and having that as that potential. So this is a, a reflection of who God is, that God made us in his image. And God made Adam from the dirt. And, and something to think about with this is, you know, Adam and Eve, well, you know, we, we, we just kind of read over it really quickly. You know, God made Adam, he made a man out of dirt, and he made him Adam, and, you know, made Eve from the side, from the, from the, it would be more accurately translated side of Adam, and, and Adam named her Eve. But like we said, you know, naming and organizing, those are, those are things of order. So what we see is that Adam is, is ruling and ordering as, God has given Adam a, some level of uh, authority for him to work with Yahweh as they order to the earth together. I mean, Adam names the animals. But, you know, what does the dirt mean? Well, you know, we see in, in, in other 
passages throughout the scriptures that uh, from dust you were made, you were made to dust you will return. So God made humanity with finite, to, to be finite, even originally. I mean, a good question to ask is if God made man in the originally in the garden to be immortal completely, why did there need to be a tree of life? There didn't have to be a tree of life for him, for them to eat off of. And why wouldn't God cast them out of the garden because he didn't want them to eat from the tree of life? Why did they die? You know, so I think we should look at the purpose, the, you know, the reason, like, what is it saying? Uh, what would the original audience have understood? Well, God made Adam as a finite being and Eve was his equal partner in that. I mean, Adam was, was um, named Eve as he was given an authority. Uh, he was the one ordering. Uh, he was the one putting in place and helping God with that. Not just him, but he was helping, like, he, you know, the Lord and, and Adam, you know, were working together with creation to order creation. And just a side note, we know that Adam would not have been called Adam and Eve, not Eve, because Hebrew didn't come into existence, the Hebrew language, till thousands of years later. So they would have called each other, you know, a woman or man or however that works, you know, humanity, you know, but in, in whatever language they were speaking, I don't know. I don't know what their names were, but I know right here that the, the, you know, we're looking at purpose. We're looking at function. So God made humanity to be able to have relationship with him and he made them finite and he, but with intents to be eternal. So maybe their physical body was finite, but they were eternal. So, you know, a good question to ask is if God was the ultimate ruler and he let the humans rule part of his creation or, or he gave some level of authority uh, to his creation on earth, would that mean that God was less of a ruler? Well, the answer is an overwhelming no. Uh, it's the same question of if a CEO of a company uh, told a manager to do something, does that, may, does that mean that the CEO doesn't own all the company? Well, that's not true. The CEO does own the company. Um, that's a Western illustration, obviously, but it, it brings the point across. I mean, even though God had created angels, he didn't appoint them as rulers over, um, you know, over the earth, tending to the garden. He said he would give that rule to people. I mean, yes, he does have angelic, uh, you know, beings placed over the church and over the, uh, you know, earth, as we see in Revelation, but not to tend the garden. So since he's maker of all, he had the authority to decide who, uh, who he wanted to delegate that to, who he wanted to join in that. Because it's not just like, an impersonal, oh, your manager, you carry this task out. It was like a togetherness, like a unity, like a relationship of, of, of working together to do the purposes of God. So we heard that God decided uh, that he would make humans in his image uh, and according to his likeness. So, and that he would appoint them to rule over the earth and the creatures on the earth. So it's kinda, let's kind of see what happens next year. So, you know, Adam and Eve are serving as these kind of priests within this temple that God has established. They're, they're kind of, they're, they're managing and taking care of it. Um, and, and like we said before, uh, you know, and when God is ordering the earth, you know, and, and giving it purpose and uh, that is reflecting, you know, this inauguration, this temple inauguration period and, and Adam and Eve, when, when they're ordering and, and, uh, and, and giving it purpose by simply being themselves and dwelling within it and, and their purpose is to care for it and to be in relationship with Yahweh you know, this is this, like, this beautiful kind of temple picture. So, so God made him in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them, right? So, you know, 
yes, I think God materially made man and women. Okay, I think that's what he, but, but I think this is talking about purpose here, right? God did what he set out to do. Remember that this had been his goal from the beginning. Male and female in his image. He created the man first and then the woman. But he created them both in his image. We will hear more details of how he created them um, in the next coming episodes. But after he created them, he informed them of, of their basic um, tasks that they could joyfully join God in doing. So God blessed them and said to them, Genesis 128, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Right? So subdue it. Put it in order. Put it in order like I have put the earth in order. It used to be vast and dark, but I've, I've ordered it together. Do the same with the earth. You know, partake in that ordering process with me. So after God uh, gave them purpose, um, uh, then he blessed them. You know, God, the source of life, was able to bless. You know, God can't bless if he is not the origin of blessing, if he is not the source of, of blessing, of life itself. So you see that an important part of his plan for humans was that they would reproduce themselves. He told them to, hey, multiply, be fruitful in number, right? Sex was a part of God's plan for them. Reproduction was a part of God's plan for them. It was, it was a beautiful part of God's plan for them, right? And in this, in this covenant relationship, it's a beautiful part of God's plan for them, right? To, to reproduce, just like God was, is committed to humanity. And he has sought us out after turning our back so many times. He, we, like, Adam and Eve were to be symbolic of that, of that Trinitarian, like, relationship that, you know, God has, um, or that the Father has with the Son and with the Spirit. Marriage is to be as, like, we are, like, marriage, male and female are, are one. They're one flesh. And the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. And they wanted to bring someone into that. And with male and female, they wanted, you know, they make, you know, bring others into that relationship, raise them up. And then they go and find someone that they that, that will symbolize the relationship trinity and then bring someone else into that that really that um represents humanity like a child so it's just oh that's that's it's a beautiful picture and image but the, the point wasn't just to have lots of people right like birds and fish and animals he wanted them to reproduce after their own kind right he built that ability into them he wanted the earth to be full of people that were in his image, that were in relationship with him, that were like him. For the humans, specifically, he desired to have more people that could share in the fellowship he has within himself. He told them to, to order the earth, to subdue it, to rule it. Um, you know, he didn't make the earth solely for himself. He made it for them. And he wanted them to order that, to join the joy of ordering things with, with God. So after telling them... Uh, you know, the purpose for this, he also told them what he provided for them. So Genesis 1, 29 through 30, then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, it'll be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food and it was so. So Adam and Eve were eating veg veggies, right? They were eating plant, they were eating foliage okay they they, they weren't doesn't look like they're eating meat yet uh, it looks like they were eating foliage every seed bearing plant uh so god said he had provided for them all the plants and fruit for them to eat at that time yeah they didn't kill 
animals to eat, right? Plants were what God provided for them to eat. So uh, with the creation of man and woman, there was a culmination of God's purpose in creating the heavens and the earth. So what he set out to do was complete. He prepared a place for them on the first five days and, on, and then on, made them on the sixth. And he looks at, in Genesis 1, 31 through 21, God saw that he, all that he had made, all that he had made. And this is not just the sixth, this is not just what he made on the sixth day. This is everything, everything that he's ordered at this time. He's put everything in order. He's given everything purpose. He's given everything function, right? Like that's the purpose of Genesis here. He's materially created everything in the past or during this time but the point is just not the, the point here is not when he materially made things he could have right at the same time he could have made adam and Eve, boom right then and there okay but the point is not that the point is purpose and function and order here okay so after god ordered and gave everything purpose and function he looked at all of what he has ordered all of the function all of the purpose all the whole system it was it was functioned perfectly within the system that he Created, right god finishes what he starts so what god starts and what god begins he finishes that he's reliable so it was a completion of the sixth day now on the next day this is the temple inauguration period is over and by the seventh day genesis 2 verses 2 through 3 by the seventh day god had finished the work he had been doing so on the seventh day he rested from all his work then god blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we often think of this as like a relaxing, uh, you know, relaxing from the work that he's done. But this is actually not probably what, the, what, it, what it's talking about. What it's most likely talking about is that God, God's presence dwelt on the seventh day. God's presence rested uh, on all the work. Right, God's presence rested there, and, and and I read a translation that was not, um, you know, 100% literal in that regard. Uh, but if you read more literal translation, you can see this in that in that uh, passage. So we see that God rested within His creation. So now God has now entered the temple. Right, this was this is this is the rest of completion. The rest of, you know, He's He's rested from ordering it. Sure thing, He's rested from ordering it, but He's but. He's also resting within it. And this is important. He's, he's dwelling now in his home, right? So because he was satisfied, uh, the seventh day was supposed to be symbolic of God being with humanity, of God's presence dwelling with humanity. So this blessing was to uh, commemorate this, this seventh day, uh, his dwelling within, uh, within the ordered universe, right? He had provided all that was needed, Um he had done all of it. Uh, we see that that people joined him in that, um, and that he is not only material creator, but he's also the giver of purpose and the giver of life, and the giver of of order. And that this day was set apart to symbolize God being in relationship and dwelling with people in the temple. So you know, Adam and Eve are kind of functioning as um, kind of like high priests in this sense. They are. Um, going between the ordered creation and God by taking care of all of things. Um, so while we have uh, kind of briefly described how God ordered and gave purpose to humanity, uh, we can see in the next chapter, we're going to see 
how God's story culminates and how he reviews uh, their, their, him giving them purpose. And we're going to look at wit in this with some greater detail. And we're going to hear a little bit more about um, the way that he made mankind. Uh, thank you for listening. And we, um, we will see you in the next uh, episode of Know Him, a podcast in the heart of God.